3: Well, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the hashtag Miranda Show. I am your host, the Queen of Soft Style, the Ring Announcer to the Stars, the Twitter Twitterless Heroine herself, Miranda Morales. I am joined by my co-host, as always, with the weird sound bites, uh, Mr. Greg Demarco. Um, and we have, sorry, no, don't, no, it's it's my show. I thought I had like a safe space from your. From your sound bites, and apparently no. But you know what? I'm gonna let it slide because the name of that stupid song that you played is actually called "Fantastic Man," and that's a wonderful segue into this interview because we are being joined by a fantastic man, a fantastic individual. Um, he is uh, one of the most well-known wrestlers within the Southwest. Has wrestled all over New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Texas. Um, someone that I've known for for several years, a wonderful gentleman, um, the one, the only, the king, Ray Basura. much
2: for having me, guys.
3: Yes, thank you so much for for joining us. Um, and you know, one of the reasons why uh, I've been wanting to do this for a while because I think you've had just a, a Phenomenal, fantastic career. You know, you're a really unique individual, and I've loved how you put your unique spin on wrestling. But something happened just recently, too, that kind of blew a lot of fans out of the water in a good way um, that you announced your retirement from professional wrestling after 10 years.
2: Yeah, I did. And uh, that was the thing is you and I had been talking about it, and we had actually planned on doing this uh, the week prior, and I was like, uh... Maybe we should wait. Uh, And then so I ended up telling you, uh, you were one of the the few people kind of uh, behind the scenes that actually knew that it was coming. Uh, But I did not let very many people know. Uh, A lot of people uh, were left in the dark that this was even looming. Uh, That was one of my things just because like as a fan, um, I would hate to know that somebody that I was going to go watch was not going to be wrestling anymore unless it was like, you know, a, a true retirement match or like a, you know, career ender match but i wanted the fans to go into party mania having no idea what the outcome was going to be and then to have no idea that such a big announcement is going to be made afterwards but yeah but yeah um announced my retirement after uh 10 years of wrestling um technically i guess we're just shy of 10 years Uh, january 18th 2010 was my very first day of professional wrestling training And, uh, January 10th, 2020 was my final day in the ring.
3: Wow. And I mean, to be able to retire uh, kind of on your own terms, which I think is a really big thing in professional wrestling. You know, a lot of times people don't get that opportunity. Their hand gets forced a little bit, whether it's life circumstances, health, um, but you made this decision and and you were able to have a a platform and a timeline that you were able to follow. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of that timeline for you uh, and and why was it important for you to um, retire when you did?
2: Yeah. uh, So late summer, maybe early fall of uh, last year, i started really trying to figure out what it would take to go to the next step in wrestling uh as everybody's been paying attention aew's uh you know growing large roh just got their tv deal i mean all honestly just professional wrestling is is on a surge that we've not seen since probably like the 90s uh it's just so cool to see wrestling growing the way that it is and the last thing i wanted was to become stagnant in in my career because you know 10 years in wrestling I got a chance to travel a lot of places and do a lot of things but it, in some ways I didn't get a chance to do a lot of the things that I would have really wanted to do and that's because I kept like holding myself back in a lot of ways uh because I would choose certain things over, you know, taking that next step. So what I did is I was like, okay, this trash King character is starting to get traction It's starting, people are taking notice of it. I'm putting a lot of effort into it. You know, what would it take for me to get noticed? What would it take for me to get, you know, do all these things that I would want to do in wrestling. And then when I really put it all down to paper, I was like, okay, I could do it, but am I prepared to do it? And I decided that I was not prepared to make the sacrifices needed to go to that next level of professional wrestling. That doesn't necessarily mean that there wouldn't be other great things I could have done. But if I'm not going to get on television or get that big contract, what am I really doing it for? And I think there's a lot of guys that get stuck in this routine where every weekend they're traveling, uh, they're getting shows, they're getting booked but whenever you take a step back and you look at it, you just kind of spin in tires. And that's not what I wanted in my, that's not what I wanted for myself. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's just, if I'm going to put in the effort, if I'm going to be putting my body on the line, if I'm going to be putting in the hours and the time, I want to get something back from it. And if I'm not prepared to put in the effort uh, to get back what I truly want from it, then I need to start building an exit strategy. And there's still a lot of things that I wanted to do in the areas that I've been working at and traveling to. So I started talking to the promoters that I was still working with and traveling to and telling them that I was going to be wrapping things up and started handpicking some of the opponents that I wanted to work with, started figuring out, okay, if I'm currently in a storyline, how can I wrap this up and have it mean something? How can I give back to the younger talent? How can I give them something to uh, give a platform to hopefully push their career, and hopefully these guys can go even further than I ever win.
3: And again, such a, a really meaningful way to make your mark on the business. And you bring up a lot of good points about really coming up with a plan and a strategy for what your career trajectory could look like or what you want it to be. And once you get to a point where you see it, then it's the action plan of, can I put this together? Can I actually do it? Right. Um, and, of course, people try, but you you make such a good point about you know, the commitment it takes for your your life, your body. I, and, I 100% yeah.
2: believe that everyone in the business has the potential to succeed and, and to, to achieve everything that they want from it if they're prepared to put in the, the level of effort it takes to achieve it. And like the thing is, is so many people start to get this feeling of entitlement. Granted, 10 years is a long time in wrestling, but I do not feel that like the business owes me anything. And there's a lot of people that go and start to get a chip on their shoulder and feel that it's owed to them to get these top spots. It's owed to them to have a title belt around their waist. It's owed to them to have these main event spots. And it is not. You know, you have to put in the effort for it. And if you're not going to put in the effort, it's, you know, you're not going to have that.
3: Absolutely. So we know a little bit about how this story has ended a little bit. Let's go back to the beginning. So what was your driving motivation to become a a professional wrestler? You mentioned that you're a little bit shy of, of 10 years as far as your, you know, the first day of training. What made you get into this crazy business to begin with?
2: well this is going to be a a hashtag miranda show exclusive because i've never actually shared the full story uh of how i got into uh professional wrestling or how i got the passion to to want to pursue it um i grew up in carlsbad new mexico a really small town in, in the southwest and um i was introduced to wrestling by an uncle who uh taught me how professional wrestling was uh was put together as a show, how it was put together as entertainment. And you know, later I found out that he didn't know what he thought he knew, but still it was introduced to me as uh as a show that was put on and stories being told in these characters that were larger than life. And previously to that, I could not get into wrestling. I hated it. I just like just didn't get it. I didn't get, like yeah. it. And once it was shown to me, once the curtain was pulled back, like, I could not get enough of it. I fell in love with it instantly. And so then, like, then I just wanted to know, like, everything about it. I'd watch every single, like, thing I could get a hold of. I was watching DVDs. I was watching on TV. And then uh, – you know, I started getting friends together and we started backyard wrestling. So we would, uh, we would go and we'd, you know, mess around on a trampoline. And then like later we'd get like a couple more friends that wanted to join in and a couple more friends. And then we'd like throw each other, like,
4: Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Around on stuff, and it was like pretty safe, and then it started getting less and less safe. And then it started getting into, like, we should put on shows for people. And we were putting on backyard wrestling events in high school that were, like, drawing, like, 200 and something people from our, like, our city to come and watch.
3: Whoa, that's a big draw.
2: Kids trying to kill each other. It was crazy that uh you know these 200
3: people yeah went to witness high school kids trying to kill each other
2: right and like seriously like we were like throwing each other like on thumbtacks and like lighting each other on fire and hitting each other with light tubes you were doing
3: all the stuff they tell you not to do like do not try this at home you said screw it we're gonna do the complete opposite we're gonna do everything they told us not to do
2: right and so from like probably around like 15 years old to 18 uh, I was uh, we were putting on shows uh, at mostly pretty much at least monthly we were putting on shows and it was like all of my like best friends and then we go and like we'd have sound we'd have like live commentary and you know sometimes these shows would draw like 30 people and then like other times it was just like there was no no room for anybody else if we wanted to and it, it was just crazy and then I graduated high school and it was just kind of like, okay, what comes next? What do I do with myself? And my goal was actually, I was going to move to California. I was going to become a police officer and I was just going to kind of go on this like straight and narrow path. I didn't know what like was going to happen next. And then Kyle Hawk was living up here in Albuquerque and he started training with destiny wrestling and he'd been training with Dylan stone and some other guys in the area. But it was really when he started with destiny that I, I kind of caught my interest and I was like, you know what, maybe I should go up to Albuquerque and check it out. So I came up here. I uh, did a couple training sessions. Oh, actually, I just oh, I watched over a training session whenever I came. And the day that I left, I got fired from my job. And, and I was like, maybe that's a sign. Like, a I, don't,
3: sign. Yep.
2: I don't have like anything like holding me back from it. So I came up here. I was like, I think this is what I'm going to do. So I, I came back to Carlsbad, pulled everything I had together, and then like I did like a couple side jobs just to get the last bit of money that I needed. I went for broke. I knew one person in Albuquerque, and that was Kyle Hawk. I had no job prospects. I had very, very little in savings, and then I uh, came here. And the day that I uh, pulled up uh, in Albuquerque, I had to change my clothes and go straight to my first training session, and it kicked my ass. But like every, we were doing it uh, five days a week, anywhere between like three to four hours uh, a day, at least. I think there were some days where we'd get there at four. And uh, we'd train at the ring for like three hours, and then we'd go to the gym for like another two. And uh, th- this was like our five day a week routine, and it just murdered me.
3: It and- always does, you know. Yeah. The, the, so that's what I always hear about, you know, your first your your first exposure to professional wrestling when you're you're doing that training is that it will it will kill you, but it's right. meant to. Because it's it's meant to weed out the you know not the weak but just the people who who truly aren't committed, um, right. and obviously you stuck around. You, <laughs> you went for broke, literally b- breaking your yourself for, for this yeah. training.
2: And so I was living in uh, I don't know how long you were here in the Albuquerque area to get familiar with it, but I was in these apartments that are uh, called the Warrens, and they are yes. like low income, like the worst. Like they are like some of the shittiest apartments. Like you pay. Yeah. It's- A monthly, like uh, you, it's like practically I was paying like cash, like sometimes it was crazy. But uh, so every, every day, like it was be pretty quiet. And then once the sun would go down, all these crazy people would come out and it was just like, like, a bar fight outside every single night. Yeah. <laughs> okay,
3: greetings from Albuquerque. everyone.
2: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and so, normal. Uh, you-, you know, while I was training, I uh, didn't work for three months and all I did was train and I was like so low on money that like, I couldn't, like I could barely afford to feed myself. And then I was like, Oh shit i don't even know if i can afford to live here anymore i have to find a job so i started applying started applying different places but i was applying these places i would not compromise training i was like i have to be out by four o'clock no matter what and so obviously that would made it very difficult to find a job but eventually uh i was on my last week of money. I was like, this is it. If I, I need to go get my car's oil changed, because if I have had to pack up my car and go home, I need to be able to get it home. So I'm getting an oil change and the practice manager or the uh, uh, the general manager of the oil change place was like, oh, hey, you're pretty friendly. You ever uh, done this stuff? And I was like, yeah, I used to uh, do a service advisor job back in Carlsbad. And we started chatting and he offered me a job on the spot. Wow. And I got a job like, on my last week that I had anything. So then I just kept training and I would live off of Jiffy Lube popcorn and like this protein powder that I had for like some weeks. And then like there's times where I'd like have just enough money to have like some peanut butter and I'd put it on these like tortillas and I would cut them in half and freeze it. And I was like, okay, I can eat half in the morning and half at wow. night. Split this so up it'll it get
3: really it <laughs> was like dire, dire straits, all to, to pursue this dream that you had.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was it was wild, you
3: know. It's so through your time uh wrestling, you mentioned you you trained in Albuquerque. Um, you started with DWO. That's also where where we met about four years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time you were in a tag team, uh, Brute66 with Mosh Pit Mike. Um, can you tell us a little bit kind of those early years about wrestling in, in New Mexico? Um, and that how could that kind of impacted your your career later on?
2: Yeah. So um I owe everything that I've done to Mosh Pit Mike. Uh, I can't, ex- I can't express that enough about everything that I was able to accomplish, everything that I did, and everything that I went on to do. I owe to Mosh Pit Mike uh, because when we were training Destiny Wrestling, they'd run their training sessions on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and then a guy uh, by the name of Rocky Penasco, he would run our training on uh, Mondays. Wednesdays and Fridays, and the thing was, is I was training with a lot of guys a lot smaller than me, and so I was picking up a lot of bad habits or mannerisms of people like a lot smaller. And they're like, "Dude, you're like six foot three, six foot four. You gotta look imposing, and you're in here like trying to like you know roll through moves and like do all these like things." And I, and they're like, "No, you you gotta learn how to move like." like the person you are. So, Mosh Pit Mike and his tag team partner at the time Widowmaker, they really took me under their wing and they started to show me how to uh really work a crowd. And if you've ever had the pleasure of watching Mosh Pit Mike That guy can grab that whole Crowd in the palm of his hand and get Them to do anything he wants them to do You know there's a lot of people that can have Their own opinions about his wrestling they can Have their own opinions about everything but that Guy will go out there every single Time and he will grab that entire Audience and make them do whatever he Wants them to do so like it doesn't matter What anyone has to say about him Or about his performance because he will go and Work that audience and he taught Me how to do that and taught me How like or at least did his best to teach me how to do it I never
3: got (laughs) both of you you guys were such an amazing tag team and you really I mean people gravitated towards you the matches that you guys were able to have as well I mean you talked about kind of your early backyard experience which kind (laughs) of now makes me understand a little bit more about
2: I had to hide that uh because I I was like, I'm training with destiny wrestling and I'm training over there. If anybody catches wind that I used to be a backyard wrestler, I'm not going to get work in the business. Cause they're going to think mm-hmm. I'm just a backyarder. So yeah. I hit it. I, I never told anybody for like the longest time. And then like later on, like a couple people would find out here or there. But by that point, it, it was way past the point where it even mattered. But like for those first, like <laughs> first, like formative years, I was like, there's no way I could ever let that leak. And so like, I would post something about wrestling on social media, and so be like, "Oh, that's cool. That's like the you know." They'd put the name of the backyard wrestling company, and I'm like, "Oh," and I'd delete it, and I'd be like, "No, oh, no,
3: no you're no. coming in your thing. tracks."
2: Yeah, yeah, and I'm like, "No, no," I was like, "I,", I or like somebody would say something, i have like, "Never heard of it," and so-
3: <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> don't know what you're talking about. That must have been some <laughs> other guy,
2: right? So uh, what I was saying though about Moshpit Pit Mike taking me under his wing is um he was already traveling he was already established he was already getting booked and his tag team partner was on the way uh, out so mosh was really starting to build himself as like a singles wrestler and he was like hey i got a show he's like there's no pay there's no guarantee for anything go set up a ring and and go so i just started like jumping in his car and anytime he'd go like somewhere i would just go with him and so anytime there was an open spot in a car i would travel there i would like just hope for a spot and Mosh Pit Mike, it, you know, he he would go and he's like, everybody there loves him, and we'd make such good connections, they'd always want him back. And if he vouched for me, they'd be like, Oh, well, if Mosh thinks you're good people, like you're good people. And that's how I started getting some of my first bookings was just because I was like traveling with him. And then the more we started traveling together, like, oh, you're both big guys, we're gonna put you guys in a tag team together. Absolutely. And and then, like, we just started getting like we just started getting thrown together in tag teams randomly. And uh, one day we had a trip uh, where we went up to, I believe it was like Wisconsin that we were going up to. So it's like 20 something hours. That's
3: <laughs> insanely long. Like I yeah, can't yeah. believe you guys did that from how quickly. So we're
2: like driving on this road trip. and am like, hey man, if we're going to keep getting put in a tag team, we should figure out a tag team name. And we're just like putting random words together. We're like angry dragon. Uh, like, I don't know. Just like, you know, we're just like trying to think of everything. And And, you know, finally we came up with Brute 66. And like, ultimately, Masha's like, I don't love it, but it's not, (laughs) you know, worse than anything. So we we kept trying to think of something and we never came up with anything else that we could, uh, that was like better than that. So then we went with uh, Brute 66. And once we put a name on it and started like branding ourselves and getting matching gear and stuff, then we, it became more official. And for, man, I would say it was like half. Of that 10 years that I was wrestling, I was almost primarily just a tag team wrestler with him. And and it it got me so many opportunities, got me so many uh, chances to go all over. And that was how, you know, that connection happened.
3: And I laugh because Brute 66 really became synonymous with not only wrestling in New Mexico, but just like tag team wrestling, like throughout the Southwest. Like it was Huge. And the branding of it, I think, was so smart. You know, I think it just creatively, um, the, the logos and, and the name itself was really unique because it really helped tie in the identity of the Southwest. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wrestling is, is, you know, the Southwest is not really known for being, you know, a wrestling mecca. Um, yeah. you know, you, you hear about all these other places and states. So, but the one thing I, I do really appreciate and know about the, you know pro wrestling in the southwest is the fandom people are connected with what they know and i think just the tie in of brute 66 to root 66 and and all of that uh really brought fans in and was really creative so to hear about how you know mosh was not a huge fan of it at first and <laughs> how it changed i mean i'm glad you guys stuck with it because i think it, it really was a um just something that fans still talk about now, and when they talk about one of their favorite tag teams, some of the best tag teams that come out, your guys' names are always on the top of that list.
2: Yeah, and uh, you know it, that's the kind of crazy thing too. Is I mean, I, I don't know how far up uh, Route 66 goes. What does it go from like L.A. to Chicago or something like that? Isn't that like the full path? But I mean, I ultimately, know. we we it dri- we drove up and down that all the time. Like we we're. You know, <laughs> California going up to like illinois and, and like it just felt right you know that's why we we like a couple times through the tag the tagline that we were the the mean mothers from the mother road and, and so <laughs> yeah
3: can you talk a little bit about your evolution to the trash king because i remember when that transition was happening and um i remember the first thing you showed me was the crown like you had the crown done at first and i think everything else came about at least just i'm remembering what you had had shown me um and i mean that speaking of taking off i mean i think the trash king was an amazing character um and one that uh with the addition with uh your your posse i don't know what the formal term your court (laughs) um which you had some fantastic people on on your court like Mm -hmm. that was definitely um uh you know, a different direction than Brute 66. What made you want to create the Trash King?
2: Well, the Trash King name uh, came really early because my backyard wrestling name was the Garbage Man. And uh, I I, I was going to be the Garbage Man, Ray Basura. And Ray is my actual first name. Uh, Basura is just garbage in Spanish. So I was like, so I was just trying to like, okay, Garbage man Ray Basura Ray Trash. Okay, cool, cool. It all goes together. The very first show I was ever on, they misspelled my name as R E Y uh, Basura, and then I laughed that they they I they put me as the Trash King and and it just was silly and so i uh kind of laughed about it and then i decided that i was just gonna kind of like throw it as a little like side thing and so if you ever talk to adam merrick he had been calling me the trash king from like the very beginning but there was nothing kingly or honestly nothing even trashy about it it was just a fun little tagline to throw on there and um It wasn't until uh, around 2017 that I actually decided to do it quite literally. And the reason why is because I was going to go wrestle at the Gathering of the Juggalos uh, for the very first time for JCW. And they wanted characters. They wanted something bigger than just like a guy. Because uh, so I ended up coming up with a uh, I was working on the Trash King thing and they told me they wanted a luchador. And I was like, well, shit. <laughs> okay. So I went to a-
3: like thinking crap, where am I going to get a mask from?
2: Yeah. So I went to like this mask store and like, I flipped a mask inside out and I had like my buddy like cut a bunch of like the stuff out of it and then like, sew it back together. So it looked all patchworky. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to like see if maybe I can like do something with this. So then I was like, I'm just going to do a mask wrestler. I'll put the crown on it, I'll put the the cape on it and I'll call myself Basurero. like it was just something silly. And then um, I had an opportunity to um, to debut that character and then I was the next night, I was like, if you want me to, I can drop the mask and just do the trash king. I was like, I got everything for it and they're like, okay, cool, like go for that. So I did the Trash King and I was like, man, this would be so much fun. There's so much more that I'd like to do with it. So I started building on it. And then I did a show in uh, California for what's now Crimson Crown Wrestling. And it was their first uh, Crimson Cup. And about three minutes into the match, I blow out my knee. I uh, I tore my PCL, a complete tear of the PCL. I had a minor tear of the meniscus and a minor tear of the ACL but I finished the match. Um, I, wrestled, I wrestled through the whole thing uh, and it was deathmatch tournament. So I'm bleeding all over the place. Like <laughs> there
3: oh.
2: times where I'm like grabbing the referee and using him to like pull myself up off the ground because I can't stand. And then like once I can get my leg like underneath me, I can put all my weight on the other leg and just kind of like hover on it. And so I finished the match and I didn't know how bad it was at the time but that put me out of wrestling for um let's see it was august that it happened and i couldn't officially get back until like around like january february of the following year so uh, i was out for you know about five to six five months or so Mm -hmm. and during that time i was like super just defeated i was uh you know i was like beat and that's where mosh was like i don't know man like spend this time like working on the character He's like, get you know, give it a big comeback and like, you know, do it, do it big. So uh after I was done, you know, feeling bad for myself, I, I got a hold of my friend that helped me make the mask, and like we started drawing everything out. And I was like, This is what I want. This and so we started designing like everything else other than just the crown that I had. Like I had the crown and like the red part of the cape before it had like all the cool stuff on it. And so we we just started building it all and i was like i want cardboard helmets i want like everything made from like secondhand stuff i want trash and so we started putting were going
3: that, authentic with, yeah, with the, trash. Yeah.
2: the the unfortunate thing is i actually paid way too much money for all of that stuff of uh, <laughs> almost like very very little of all my stuff was actually secondhand i bought a lot of it new and then would dirty it up i've never spent so much money on garbage
3: on <laughs> um, garbage quote-unquote garbage
2: yeah exactly that's
3: movie magic baby that's 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 a, probably a lesson in, in how they make things in movies look so authentic it's brand new and you just you know dirty it up real nice and there you go there's your prop
2: when i first started watching wrestling i i came in kind of late in the game it was around like 2003 and uh Evolution was like starting to become like a really big deal around the time that I started watching, and I loved the idea of like a faction. It was just like numbers game, and it was like such a big it was like such a big thing. And then once I started watching like ECW, like watching Bill Alfonso and having like a manager on the side, and I was like, you know what? I've never really seen is I've never really seen, like, a guy that had a faction of just, like, an entourage, like, I guess, you know, of, of these guys that would just, like, come because I love the idea of these people that would just, like, worship me and follow me in the ring and just, like, piss off everybody in the audience, like, as I was coming to it because I felt that that's what would make a king character stand above other king characters that I've seen done. You know, it's, like... Yeah a king should have like his followers and uh, he, they should have like a royal announcer. I don't know if you've ever watched the, uh, the movie uh night's tale, um, yes. but uh, he has like this guy that would go out there and like give him like these big, huge introductions. And I, and I loved that movie whenever I was uh, growing up. And so I wanted to find somebody to go out there and give you these big introductions, but also could just rip on the crowd. And so I reached out to Rusty Rutherford, who uh, is a stand-up comic, and I know that he's a big wrestling fan. So I wrote him on Facebook one day, and I was like, "Hey, man, I got. I l- let me buy you a drink. I got to talk to you about something I'm working on." And so we went to a bar. I just laid it all out for him, and I was like, "I will pay you as much as I can pay you. I don't know, you know what they'll be." I was like, "I just know that this is the plan." And if we can get to what I want, like it, we'll get to do some really cool stuff with it. And, and I was like, just you know, give me some time to let it build. And the bad thing about it was I had nothing to show for it. Like it, he just had to take my word because, like, I hadn't had any matches, I hadn't filmed any promos. Like other than the fact that he'd see me wrestle and he knew who I was and like he knew the brute sixty six stuff. This whole character had he had no idea about it, and he had no idea what we were going to do with it. So. Uh, I, I I give him a lot of credit for trusting me.
3: <laughs> yeah, Rusty is hilarious, um, yeah. and and just in you know my brief interactions with him, he's also very smart too. He knows how to yeah. read a crowd, and so I think you made a really good choice with someone who just has those instincts and probably coming from that comedy background, but also being a pro wrestling fan, that could be a deadly combination because <laughs> right. you can just be hilarious but you can also, you know, know how to work a crowd up um, into, especially, you know, since his character was was more heel oriented, you know, how can yeah. you pick off a crowd? And he always did such a great job of it and really helped um, just, you know, just add to, to your character um, by being this lead. And also, you know, um, when you talk about Bill Alfonso, I very get some of those vibes, you know, kind of yeah. uh, tricky, you know, loud mouth, but also cast cowardice type of thing, Uh, (laughs) just meaning the character, Rusty, just meaning the character, you know, maybe you're a badass. I don't know, but uh, (laughs) a a lot of those, you know, nuances, I think we're were very smart. So I think you you did a fantastic job putting that together and having a vision with that because it all came across really, really well.
2: Right. And uh, the Squires, uh, they ended up coming from, uh, I wanted to try to figure out how I could, Um, have these anonymous people because uh, if you know anybody that's tried to book a show or run a show getting the same people on it like on a regular basis is hard and I knew that for the king character I had to have these guys with me all the time so I designed a uh, a mask that these guys well a helmet that these guys could put on so I could put the character on anybody but what i wanted is i wanted it to be some trainees from the albuquerque area that we could uh like give them some experience hopefully they can shake some hands with some promoters and they can get opportunities for themselves the guys i reached out to they just weren't ready for the task uh they 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 weren't ready for and then the other guy that i gave it to he didn't like the idea of just kind of taking the back seat because he really wanted it to be like he He wanted an opportunity to wrestle he wanted to to not be this bumbling fool like he wanted to to go out there and like beat people up and like yeah I
3: get
2: it. like but uh,
3: yeah I, not not for this gimmick brother, so yeah, yeah yeah,
2: and so um tommy and uh and Eddie, the guys that ended up filling the spots for uh toxic and vomit, which originally were gonna be called um uh, Polonius and Steve were gonna be the name. <laughs> And, uh, I like
3: Toxic and Vomit much, much better
2: than. Felonious. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so it's going to be Felonius and Steve, and my costume guy and I were talking about them, and um, I would he was like trying to figure out like what these characters were going to be, and I was like, I just want them to be like the sleaziest, dirtiest, like dumbest people I've ever met. And he's like, <laughs> we should name them after Toxic and Vomit. Uh, so Toxic and Vomit were these punk rock kids from high school. And uh, Vomit was this guy that would go, like, party and trash people's houses and puke everywhere. And oh. Toxic was this punk rocker that never showered or everyone say he didn't shower, so he smelled awful. And they really were, like, two of the shittiest people that I ever
3: met. And, and <laughs> the so, real-life inspiration behind these yeah, characters.
2: You should name them Toxic and Vomit. And I thought that was hilarious. Like I laughed and laughed and laughed for, for like days. Every time I'd hear like their name, it was just like, it, it made me laugh because I knew the actual toxic and vomit. But um, anyway, so uh, Eddie and Tommy, uh, these guys had been training uh, off and on for a little while. And I just don't feel that they were in a position where they were going to get an opportunity to, they'd been training for like two years and uh the connections weren't at the time with the the state of destiny wrestling and the destiny wrestling program and where mosh was working with jcw and just everything was going i i didn't know where these guys were going to go so i started reaching out to them to start traveling with me and these guys were so diehard, and they were always they were always there they were always eager they and like i am just so glad that i ended up having them work with me because they were so good with these characters they made them their own they gave them personalities and literally every time i would like tell them about a show like it was never just like oh like you know it's just like they were they wanted it they were hungry they wanted to do stuff and then we'd like travel places and like there was like this this sparkle and this awe because they'd never been to these towns they'd never like traveled these things and like heck even uh like just recently we got stuck in Payson, arizona and we're like at this hotel and we're in the hot tub and tommy's like you know guys i've never been in a hot tub in my whole life
3: (laughs) (laughs) in arizona is your first experience with a hot tub man you were broadening their horizons
2: yeah so it's like I, I could not have asked for a better group of people from Rusty, Eddie, Tommy, because they had a, a, a basic knowledge in how a match should work. They had a uh, basic knowledge in how to bump. And then they also like really just like took to the characters and they were happy to be there and and to travel. And it's just like it just worked so well. And I I, I could not have asked for a, a better group.
3: Well, and you mentioned, you know, all the things that people did for you. And I think that that's something that's been very uh, adamant and predominant in in what you've been doing is you've truly paid it forward. You truly brought in people into the fold the way that people brought you in. And I think that's that's truly amazing. I mean, you're right. The the business does not owe anyone anything as as you mentioned in the beginning, but I do believe in karma. I believe that when uh, you are good to people, you know, and, and you've had those good experiences, it comes back, you know, and, and the fact that even just what you were saying, as far as your retirement, you wanted to, you know, close chapters, but also put people over um, is incredibly selfless. And, you know, I, I think, and just uh, part of, you know, who you are, as far as just someone who's observed you, um, and, and your impact on the business is that, you know, it just seems like a uh, a wonderful thing that you've done, but also just because that's who who you are.
2: Well, I, I appreciate that, and, and and since retiring, so many people have reached out and said, you know, a lot of great things, and I've had a lot of, of people that I've met, and I I have a lot of you know care and and love for for these people that I've built relationships with, or you know, just had opportunity to own one. It's just like there's all these these times that I've had these where they were meaningful to me and and actually hearing that you know the feeling was mutual has been super humbling and uh like that's been uh, some of probably the the best thing about this is that i knew that when it was over it was going to be a really hard pill for me to swallow and i don't know I assumed this, but I had this like built in my head because of everything that I've seen with wrestling. Is at the minute that I hung up? Once I hung everything up, that whatever it was, the you know the flavor of the week was going to overshadow it, and as quick as it was there, it would be gone. And even though it was just you know, you know, they took the that day. Just hearing, hearing from. People, Knowing that in in my time in the business in the years that I did at least make an impact on, on other people, uh, you know, was was amazing.
3: Um, can you walk a little bit through the actual day of the retirement? Um, because you did this at Party Hard Wrestling in Mesa, Arizona, at the World mm-hmm. Famous National Theater, a place that you wrestled in uh, quite a few times, both for Party yeah. Hard but also for Championship Wrestling for Arizona. Um, so I know that retiring with them meant a lot to you that was you know a a decision that you made um you know what what was going through your mind what were you feeling throughout the day
2: uh I mean the the feeling started like the week like this this weight on my shoulders that uh you know, I knew that there was something, you know, that it was it was gonna lead up to you know something big. And I was like, man, I just better not go out there and fuck this
3: up. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's the last one. Like Yeah, like, you but, know, uh, it's interesting how you know, like I, the last one well, you don't want to oh, fuck man. up, even though every time before then you're like, I don't want to fuck this up, I don't want to fuck this <laughs> up, you know. And then the last one you're like, oh man, have I used all my can't fuck this ups?
2: Right. Yeah. It just, you know, I I really tried to take in everything, you know, as, uh, as we're having conversations and laughing in the car, as like, I'm doing this drive, as I'm showing up to the venue, saying hi to people, as I'm, you know, everything I'm thinking in my head that this is the last time I'm going to get a chance to do this. And so I made sure to be extra conscious of, of everything to remember it. And it, honestly it was just like any other party hard show the everybody is just so welcoming and that that locker room is is one of the best locker rooms that i've ever been in uh brandon uh, with party hard wrestling has built such a great community there where it, it feels like a brotherhood everybody there is like there to help each other and it just there's no egos it it, it just feels amazing and that was i think what one of the coolest things about it was was that When I got there, it didn't feel any different than any other party hard show. And whenever we did our pre-show meeting and we're talking about things, uh, you know, we go through the whole meeting and then uh, like Brandon's about to like wrap it up and he didn't say anything about the retirement. And I was like, cool. Like, I guess we're going to keep it a secret, not tell anybody. we're not going to tell nobody and then uh hyper uh actually like he's like hey before we go like i want to say something and he like said some some amazing stuff i don't know if, if you know that i've known hyper streak for a long time i've known Hyperstreak probably about like seven years seven eight years now and um him and jay Ca- jay cafe who i've known for just equally as long it they uh just kind of like said their stories about how long we've known each other and, and, and what our journeys have meant to each other. And then like, you know, Brandon had some things and just everybody kind of like, they gave me a, a, some applause and it was like, Oh shit, this is real. Like this is happening. Like, Oh man, <laughs> like now it's real. I almost wish that we hadn't said anything. Cause then I could have just, <laughs> I'm
3: like, you could going to just fade it away. I don't know. Orphanage in Mexico, you know, those things.
2: So uh, so then it's just like the show's going and I have done the main event at party hard wrestling, you know, quite a bit. And it felt like this show just flew. I was like, Oh my God, like we're going through it so fast, like everything's gone. And so, uh, during intermission, I went out there and I'm like walking amongst everybody, like, you know, saying hi, taking pictures. And it's just like, none of these, people know. I was like, nobody has uh, any idea that, uh, that this is the night and it was it was just like crazy just knowing that i had this like big secret that all these people are. and then i was like man i should announce it so i could sell some more merch right now I was like, I that right now
3: <laughs> right once i only you know this this is right. going going
1: going on. <laughs> last
2: time like, you get a trash king shirt sure is uh you know <laughs> but uh yeah, so my my family, they all came out uh, to see it because I told them about it. So I had family from, uh, you know, down in Carlsbad, from L.A., from uh, I had uh, friends and, and and my girlfriend from uh, here in Albuquerque come and like their family came. And so like there's this like whole big area of, of support that was there, but they all knew that, that they couldn't tell anybody either. So like they were in on it. And then,
3: uh, <laughs> so it's a, it's a pretty big secret to to hold. Yeah, and I it, it must have been tough,
2: right? And so then, whenever I'm in, I'm doing my my entrance. It, it was like, this is this is it. This is the last time that like I'm going to get an opportunity to do this. So every time that I could get a reaction from the crowd, like I savored it, and it felt better than it's ever felt and then whenever we're going into the end of the match and i finally take like my last bump and i know that this young kid that is about to pin me that's gonna you know go on to carry the the championship of the multiverse is you know is is pinning me and it's over and it's just like the the count and it was just like there it is like it's it's all over and so i just kind of like laid there for a while just kind of like hearing everybody react to him and hearing everybody reacting to the end of the match. And it got such a big response. I was like, this is what I wanted. This is, I, like, before I, you know, go and make my announcement, I was like, this is the reaction I wanted. I want this to go on, and I want, you know, hopefully Mr. Classic will use this as an opportunity to get showcased, to get better bookings, to hopefully get paid better in these shows, to go further and do things. And I understand that Party Hard Wrestling isn't Ring of Honor, but a lot of people have their eyes on on what uh, Party Hard's doing over there, and it's going to give them an opportunity to hopefully get seen by somebody else maybe you know a couple states over and uh, i'm just i'm really hoping that they they make something of that and take that opportunity to to grow
3: yeah i i was really fortunate to to be there um for this event and to see your last match and uh, you you were absolutely right as far as the response um, it really was a surprise to the fans that you ended up losing your uh, multiverse championship who you lost it to I think was also a big deal um, yeah. and and then the announcement in the end I mean it, there was an audible gasp of people who were very very surprised that this was your last match um, and of course you know people who were you know, uh, you know upset just because you have become such a fan favorite at Party Hard, um, and you really encompass what that promotion seems to be all about is uh, a place where you know anyone can love wrestling. It Doesn't matter if you're you know maybe eclectic or you have weird taste in things, or if you know you just like different things about wrestling, and you seem to just embody that a hundred percent. Which <laughs> totally understandable as to why they supported you uh, as a as a promotion and, and why you. You were were there for as long as you have been. Um, So I, uh, you know, if anything, was just really fortunate to see that because you were one of the first people that I met in in my career in ring announcing and always were very kind and considerate um, and in general always just... You know, just easygoing, but someone that easily, you know, had great advice and input, um, and you knew how to talk business. But you're also just a genuinely good person, and that can be a combination that is tricky to find. So, um, it it I, I'm sure that that's all the messages that you've been receiving and the feedback that you've gotten, and the and the fans who have reached out um, all know what what. We, you know, I've known, um, but I'm glad that you had that opportunity to, you know, say goodbye just in that, in your own terms, um, and just be able to, you know, go, go and do this your own way through this entire, entire process, um, I want to let Greg ask a question. Don't fuck this up, Greg, because this is actually really, you know, this is this has been really, really nice, and I'd hate for someone to ruin it, Greg. Um, <laughs> but I do want Greg because I I know he he has um, a, a question that I wanted to yeah. ask.
1: Yes, I do, and and I appreciate that. I'll do my best to uphold everything we've done so far. But you, you have our... high
3: standards on this show, Greg.
1: <laughs> I know you do. Trust me, I know. No, we don't. It's I'm fine. here day one.
3: Um, <laughs> high standards are. Really
1: Yeah, we were raising the bar, but the bar was low. Um, But you you probably don't remember. Back in 2016, you'd reached out to me to work for uh, my shows with PHX Wrestling. And we didn't do it. We didn't even bring anybody from that area out, honestly. But the experience in, in dealing with you in that was great. It was super positive. Did you... You're and trust me, as someone who even currently now in, in in promoting and having to deal with wrestlers, there's a spectrum of interaction that some is great and some <laughs> is not so great. To to put it nicely to people, we won't name any names. Is that something that you did you decide an approach you were going to take? How did you come up with this? Is who I'm going to be on the back end behind the scenes professionally when I'm dealing with promoters? This is how I want to go about getting work regardless of whether or not it works, but this is who I want to be. And why'd you make that decision?
2: Um, So I I would, again, putting a a lot of it back on uh, Mosh Pit Mike, you know, he has always unapologetically been Mosh Pit Mike. He is who he is. And um, uh, if you've ever had an opportunity to speak with him behind the scenes, the man that Mosh Pit Mike is, behind the scenes is a very different person than you get in the front. But at the end of the day, it is still kind of the same person. And so when I started running around with him, I started to just take what I took from, uh, I was in sales for a long time. So I already know how how to network and talk with people. But ultimately, I just wanted to speak to people in a professional manner as myself. And I wanted to, whenever I talked to them, give them what I am. I want them to know the person they're working with. I want to make that relationship with them. And whenever I get an opportunity to go out there for you, hopefully my product can speak for itself. What I'm bringing to the table will, but if nothing else, I want to have a good working relationship with them. And I want them to know who they're working with. So I would come at them as the best I could as myself. And it was just because the people that brought me up in the business told me, you know, be be respectful be professional and be yourself but you know just you need to build relationships everything about professional wrestling is who you know and the relationships you build and i i went into every locker room every opportunity i had to meet with somebody wanting to know them better and wanting to create a relationship with them because hopefully i would continue working with them for years
3: Good. It's it's a really good point too, you know, and and kind of just what I was mentioning too. Just from my own experience, you know, you've always been um very amazing and pleasant to work with, and to have that impact on someone like Greg, who you know just just got a message from you from a few years ago, but just you know sometimes you don't necessarily remember what an interaction is like, but you remember how you felt about it. Um, I think that is a really good way. I think of people are always going to remember. Remember Ray Basuda, you know, um, is that you're, they're always going to remember how you made them feel, whether it was an interaction in the back, whether as a fan watching you, whether it's, you know, someone who you mentored or trained, uh, I think there's always going to be people who remember, you know, how you made them feel and, and, uh, making them feel belonged in this big old crazy world of professional wrestling.
2: I don't necessarily remember the first time that I uh, messaged Greg, but I do remember the very first time I met him in person. Uh, and that, that uh, you know, was a surprise because I also do not know for sure that I knew who he was whenever I met him uh, the first God,
3: time. No one, no one does. It's yeah. fine. Tell because, I like to
2: live yeah, my yeah. life.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he loves to be very anonymous. She
2: knows, like, that, that, know, like, that's not even name. a joke. <laughs> like, that's legit. <laughs>
3: it's yeah. legit. I,
2: I knew the name, but I had no face to attach to it. And then, like you know, just one day I'm there shaking hands with them and talking to them. I'm like, "Oh, you're Greg." <laughs> yeah.
3: So we've talked about the past, you know, about the present. So, what about the future? Um, and I know that may be kind of early to to tell, but um, you know, what what does the future hold for you, or what are some things you would like to do um, now that your weekends are free?
2: Well. Um, one of the things that I'm going to continue to do is I'm definitely going to try to fill a mentor uh, – continue to fill a mentor role for uh, some of the younger talent here in the New Mexico area. Um, I work a lot with the Bearded Lady, uh, the, the Monster Nine, uh, and Mr. Happy – and uh, that's uh, destiny Wrestling's kind of newest crop that's out there traveling. Uh, you know, they have a, they have a lot of other students that are working, but right now those are their big perspective talents that are out there traveling uh, all around. And I try to help them, uh, build stuff uh, for themselves. If you've looked at any of their merchandise, I've uh, designed majority of it for them. Uh, the bearded ladies, uh, logo is a design I created, uh, I did it, uh, the monster nines, uh, t-shirt uh for him uh mr happy's t-shirt as well and then i'm also in the process of uh making resumes for them so they can uh, send those out to uh to get bookings and that's something that i've done for them uh because i want them to have that to be able to to present to promoters to help make their uh their product more marketable for them and so I'm going to hope to try to help them in, in a mentor role where I can. Um, I'm going to spend a lot more time doing art. That's a, a big passion of mine is uh, painting and digital art. And that doesn't hurt my body, which is nice. Uh, I won't tear, <laughs> I won't tear <laughs> them
3: talk some chairs involved in that.
2: Right, exactly. I, I won't tear my ligaments uh, doing a painting. So um, I do commission paintings on the side uh, as well. Um, and then it looks like I'm going to be starting school. Um, a lot of people don't know that for the last few years I've been uh, managing a cat hospital. And, um, one of the things that uh, made me decide to really look at what's coming next in professional wrestling is because I found myself accidentally into like a real career, um, oh. for all of my professional wrestling, I'd worked jobs so I could pay to wrestle. Um, I ended up finding a job that I actually wanted to do and a boss that actually wanted to like invest in me. And she told me that when I was ready, she would pay for my, or she would help me pay for schooling. She has like my retirement stuff all set up. And I realized how good I had it. And I was like, would I be willing to give this up to, you know, chase you know chase all these things and then if i get hurt then what do i do and so now that it's over i'm going to um i'm going to go to school take her up on that offer uh and we are in the process of kind of building a plan where she wants to retire from the business and leave me in a partnership role with her where i can be part owner and help run this practice like with slash you know beside her so i am going to be working towards, uh, you know, running a, a cat hospital. <laughs>
3: that's so crazy. But that's fantastic. I mean, avid animal lover here. So you're doing yeah. fan- amazing, amazing, amazing work. Um, <laughs> so congratulations on, on that. Lots to... to to see lots of things that, that seem to, to be coming on the horizon congratulations right. you know on, on the retirement um and, and thank you for your time before we kind of formally wrap up you mentioned you had a lot of things going on um feel free I Mean what where can people see you or find you or you know purchase you know you maybe not you personally sure. yourself. Your <laughs> well, uh, that um... would be that would be awkward But, you know, if that's you, yay, you know, you you never
2: know, Miranda.
3: Oh, you never know, ladies, gentlemen. (laughs)
2: Um,
3: But yeah, tell the fans where they can find you.
2: Well, um, first off, one of the big things with the trash King uh, was our promos that we did. Um, You can find all of those on YouTube and I'm going to be over time finding some of my older matches and posting those on there. Um, There is a handful of never before seen footage that we just never got an opportunity to put out there. So eventually that may make its way on, uh, on, but uh, I also over time, once I get some more footage, want to put together kind of like a formal highlight package if you will because i have footage from 2010 whenever i first was like having my first matches all the way up until my final match and so i'd like to try to get some of that footage put together in some type of highlight reel of sorts um but i I don't think it would ever measure up to the the last video that we did I, i got a a bit of a tearjerker for me so i don't know we'll see what that ends up coming but um you can find that stuff on youtube uh you can find me on instagram still under ray Basuda, but uh the lesser known instagram uh page i have is the Basuda paint and that's where i take a lot of my commission work through um as you said i'm an animal uh lover uh People are gonna find out that my commission work is I mainly almost exclusively paint people's pets.
3: <laughs> dude, dude, just watch! I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna slide in there with my pet pictures. Yeah, uh, it's gonna be amazing, and I'm gonna hand. I don't have a mantle, but I'm gonna build a mantle to then put my commissioned art from you on there. Um, it's going to be the most amazing thing I've ever purchased.
2: Well, now you can see why I kept a lot of this stuff from the public because it's really hard to go out there and try to be a menacing king when they're like, he
1: plays with cats all day and paints.
3: <laughs> 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 can I just
1: – I just want to point out, like, I'm I'm looking at it right now and, and there's really no other – I mean, we kind of have a saying on these shows. It's good shit. Like, this is such good yeah. shit, pal. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, as I'm looking at the art right now, like, it's not – I mean, people are probably like, "Oh yeah, a wrestler also does art, whatever." No, th- this is this is an good. artist doing art, <laughs> and yeah, sure. like that's that's some serious, some serious good stuff. So definitely go check it out at Basura Paint B A S U R A Paint P A I N T. Good shit. Yeah, thank you.
2: And uh, it's it all started kind of just something that I was doing for fun, and then. The more and more I would do, the more and more people would hit me up trying to get them done. And the next thing I knew, it was a thing that I was doing as a side hustle. And then now maybe it'll be like what's filling up most of my time. Um, Also, um, I do a a regular podcast uh, most Sundays here in Albuquerque for a a program called 10 Drink Minimum. They just uh, brought me on to their their crew uh, about a little over a month ago and so those are posted pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found but we do live shows on facebook and youtube uh six o'clock mountain time on most sundays great well
3: again congratulations and thank you thank you so much for taking the time to uh, do this interview with me like you said we've been planning this for a while uh, but when everything kind of came forward with your retirement uh, you still wanted to do this and you wanted to do this on my show which uh, means a a lot to me um, just because uh, you know the show is usually very you know silly and eclectic and kind of what I come up with uh, at the moment's notice but um, to be able to talk with you about your career and learn more about your kind of your past and, and you're drawn to wrestling but also um this this whole retirement as, as a fan, but also as a friend, um, I'm I'm very honored um, to to be you know this this outlet. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for everything um, that you've done for for wrestling, but also just being a good fucking person. Like just <laughs> thanks for that. Thanks for hopefully that doesn't retire. Still be a good fucking right. person, uh, and, and I feel like that's gonna take a, a you know you anywhere that you want.
2: Well, thank you guys. uh, And I really appreciate you all uh, having me on here as well. And uh, I've, you know, known you for a while and Greg, I didn't get an opportunity really to to make as as good of a relationship with you as I would, but I love to have you guys. Uh, You know, I'd love to speak with you guys anytime you have me. And uh, you know, I I'm glad that I made some type of impact on both your lives and you know, that the pleasure's all on this side here.
1: Thank you.
3: Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this edition of the Hashtag Miranda Show. Don't forget you can find me on social media at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook. You can find Greg on social media, even though he doesn't check it uh, um, at chair shot Greg on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Don't forget to support, support the chair shot.com. Um, you can go to pro forward slash the chair shot to purchase one of many, or maybe not one. Maybe you want two or five, however many shirts you want. I fully support you uh, in support of the chair shot. Dot com. Go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash the chair shot. Um, and don't forget thechairshot.com, uh, your most reliable source for all pro wrestling news, analysis, and opinions. Uh, thank you and have a great week.
2: Thechairshot.com. Always use your